0: Hello.
1: Hey, how are you?
0: Excellent. How are you today?
1: I'm good. I'm good.
0: So, uh, welcome to the EricSwanRacing.com racing.com podcast. I'd like to just jump right in. Yeah. Uh, I believe this is episode number 132 with Jesse McCree. So thanks for coming on and talking to me for a little while. For sure. And so we met, uh, doing coaching. You took the MSF course. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was last August.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, uh, was that your first time riding or what was your experience with bikes before that?
1: Yeah, that was pretty much it. Um, I, yeah, I was just, you know, fresh took the, I think it was a three-day course. Um, definitely super nervous, but definitely, you know, also excited. So, um, I had a lot of fun out there.
0: And what kind of bike were you riding? Do you remember it was a 250 or a 125?
1: Yeah, it was a 250.
0: Maybe the Hondas.
1: Yeah, I think so. Okay,
0: very good. And uh, you're you're in Michigan. I just moved out of Michigan. I moved to uh, Las Vegas since we talked. So when we set up this meeting, you had put it in person. That's why there was no Zoom link when I first. Yeah, started.
1: yeah. I uh, I saw that. So yeah, no. You guys definitely have better weather than we do. So um, yeah, very jealous. I've been
0: out here for a couple months now. I just moved out in January, so it's uh, yeah. Go forth right now. I'll probably edit and post this in the next couple of weeks. Put it out there, but um, yeah. yeah, it's already snowed. I think four times since uh, since I've been here. I don't think it normally snows here, so I was kind of like, "What the hell's going on?" I thought I moved away from this stuff. Right. What's it looking like there now in Michigan?
1: Um, the past couple of days it's been rainy. Um, and then like the past few weeks it's been like snow. We've had a couple like nice days, but um unfortunately not enough to actually go out and ride so uh haven't been on my bike yet but definitely looking forward to it in the next couple weeks
0: so you did get a bike what bike did you get
1: so i got a 2023 um ninja 400 um per year recommendation um it's a super cool looking bike um i didn't think i was gonna get a sport bike um i was pretty much like set on getting um a honda rebel 500 or even a 300 um and i was also thinking about getting um a harley iron 883 okay but um you know ended up with the the ninja and i'm super happy with it um i've been on it like literally like around the driveway and that's like it so
0: yeah so you really haven't broken it in yet gotten used to it
1: Nope, nope. Pretty much had it delivered, hooked it up to the battery tender and put it in the garage because it's, you know, the weather's been so crappy here, but um, All yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I'm excited for you. It's, uh, you know, just take it easy your first couple of times. It's been a few months since you did the uh, the rider course, so you'll be rusty. Everybody's rusty the first time they go out, first couple of times they go out for the new year, even experienced people. Uh, yeah. It's, it's like playing an instrument, playing a guitar. I like to think about. Um, you can't play a guitar without the muscles to do it, right? Exactly. Without memory. So it's the same thing for riding a bike. Um, you just, you're just you not used to slipping that clutch and using that lever or the the fine tuning that you have to have with your controls, with the throttle or your brake pressure. So as always, you know, take it slow when you're starting, but get comfortable with what your bike can do. Go in parking lots again, whether you take another MSF course with that bike now or yeah. To, um, Take the advanced rider course or even just on your own, just in a parking lot, practice your swerves, practice your emergency braking, you know, uh, doing a safe way, wear your, wear your gear, all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Just uh, test out the limits.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, um, exactly right. I do plan on taking the advanced rider course um, once I kind of get a little bit more miles under my belt. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure that I'll probably have a couple times where I just like stall and I think back to you know the class and it's like you should probably just do this or do this so yeah
0: install like physically stall the bike or they stall like your in your tensions
1: probably both
0: <laughs> yeah it's all right I mean uh I've stalled my bike still and it's like oh yeah. that was good like uh, I let out the clutch way too fast I thought it was already grabbing and it was not yet and um I mean those are feels like rookie mistakes but even yeah. make those mistakes they get too too antsy they want to get out there or mm-hmm. going, and they're just not thinking sometimes yeah so uh do you have any questions about riding or new time newer riders that you uh, are interested about
1: um not really. I think my biggest thing that I've done in the time since I've taken my class and right now outside of getting a bike, um I've joined like a lot of online um like Facebook groups and stuff, um you know, more like experienced riders, follow them on, you know, social media and stuff and kind of look at their content and you know, a lot of people, you know, walk through like their journey and stuff. So I think hearing other people's like past and stuff has been really helpful. Um, and honestly, like from what I've experienced, like the bike community is like, honestly, one of the nicest communities that, um, you know, I've like engaged with, um, in comparison to like the car community, you know, people are like way, way, way less judgmental, like really want to help people. Um, So that's been really cool. um, Just, you know, talking to people online and stuff. Um, But yeah, I just, you know, I'm really excited to like actually get on my bike, you know, meet some people at some point, um, you know, just get better at it. I know I will. It's just like I think getting over that initial like hump and getting over that fear, too, um, is a big thing.
0: Yeah, um, I would say go to bike nights. Uh, there's a big one going on in Royal Oak usually. Uh, most, uh, I don't remember what day of the week, maybe Thursdays um, in the spring, summer, fall time um, mm-hmm. that you can go out there, ask a lot of questions, talk to people, see all kinds of tricked out motorcycles from stock, yeah. custom, everything. um, And uh, we would go out there like once a week for, for a while and go on group rides, 20, 30 people sometimes. And then uh, you realize after a certain period of time that it depends who you're riding with. If you're riding with a group of hooligans, you get hooked into that and you start to a hooligan yourself. But, um, after a while you get to really find out who you want to be riding with, what their style is. Are they running down the freeway at triple digits or are they taking it easy and, you know, yeah. it safe. So you'll, I'm sure you'll come up to that real quick because it's very, yeah. productive and that's something that I did when I first started that actually got me into racing. Um, I got into racing because I got arrested for speeding. And I was like, <laughs> i doing that anymore. That's done. That's no more of that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I decided to go to the racetrack and not ride in the street anymore and didn't have a street bike, um, street legal motorcycle for like 10 years or something like that. I just did track only. And I found that I was actually pretty good at this sport uh, at the racetrack. So, yeah, I took to it pretty well um you know if you can ride a motorcycle you can do track days and a track day is not something that's super scary to do I recommend anybody who rides any kind of motorcycle to try out try one out um and you can take your bike to the track sometimes you can rent people's bikes sometimes you can rent gear if you don't have a full suit helmets boots gloves back protector you can usually find someone who will let you lend lend uh they'll lend one to you or you can rent one and uh it's The best place to practice your skills you know there's no cars there's no sand or Mm -hmm. dirt there's usually everybody's going the same way so it uh that there's way less risk and if you do happen to fall down there's an ambulance with two people in it running (laughs) and it'll be there in 30 seconds so it's like you crash on the street hopefully someone sees you if you fall into a ditch right Um, you know they do have like those kind of life alert things that you can wear for wristbands if you're out in the middle of nowhere, but still, it'll be maybe an hour before they get to you. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I didn't know anything about the racetrack. I was like, well, I, I don't know. I don't know any people. I don't know any friends or none of my family goes to the track. I didn't know how to do it. I just yeah. went to forums like uh, the Wera Forum and Sport Bike Track Time Forum, I think was the first one that I found, and uh, just started asking questions like, how do I even get to the track? Where are the racetracks? Like, what do I need when I go to the track? And turns yeah. out you really don't need much, just a, a motorcycle, maybe some, some like water and, and electrolyte drinks. Um, but you don't need anything fancy on your motorcycle. You don't need race plastics for, for at least the, the first couple of times you go in Novice. They'll allow you just to tape up your lights and turn signals and your license plate. Um, you can even take the fuse out so it's not lit up behind the tape. But the idea is no no glass. You don't want to have any open glass because if, if you crash and there's glass all over the track.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, if you can afford it, I would highly recommend it for anybody because it's, it's such a learning experience and there's coaches there. I've been a coach for sport bike track time and uh, we have novice classroom sessions, which we teach you the basics of everything you need to know. Uh, and that's how I learned. Uh, yeah. And then you just progress from there. Everybody has their own, you know, uh, speed that they want to get to. Some people want to be professional racers. Other people just want to go to the track every once in a while. Uh, yeah. A while a and uh, so you get wide difference in skill groups, which is fine. Um, that's why we have different sessions for different people. You know, every typically on a normal track day, there's three 20-minute sessions every hour. Uh, novice, intermediate, and advanced. Um, so advanced is more like the racer or, or really fast guys at the track and intermediate is a wide discrepancy of skilled groups between, you know, first day out of novice and people are sandbagging who don't want to go to advanced. Um, but novice is a lot of times first time people, but I've met people who've been in novice for almost 10 years. So yeah. it depends how fast you want to learn and what, what, what you want to get to.
1: Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting. Like. You know, again, kind of comparing it to, like, the car industry and, like, you know, motorcycling, like, the barrier to entry to, like, have a track day, like, from what you described is, like, so low. If you're, you know, now that, you know, you work, like, out of track with, like, you know, sports cars and, you know, supercars and stuff, it's, like, a totally different thing. Like, normally people are, like, all right, I got to get my 911 GT3 RS. I've got to get, you know, full, you know, it's just so much more that you have to do before you actually get on the track. But it's just like, it's kind of crazy, but really cool that you can literally just have like a, a, you know, a 400 like myself and go to a track and get, you know, geared up and and started that way.
0: Probably for about $5,000, you'd go to the racetrack. Now, yeah. for a lot more than that, you know, you could spend. Yeah, money,
1: sure.
0: but, um. Yeah, the barrier of entry is pretty low. I would always recommend. Uh, getting a trailer and trailering your bike to the racetrack because if you happen to sure. have a middle or a mechanical then you're stranded in the middle of nowhere yeah so uh you can ride to the track i've seen that happen but it's not recommended
1: yeah yeah i think um if i get to that point i would definitely you know trailer it and do the the full thing but um yeah it's it's pretty cool that that's you know just how easy it is really
0: yeah and like what you're saying uh the bike community, Motorsports, motorcycle road racing specifically, is very, um, what's the word, nice to your competitors. Even if you're just at a track day and there's no race going on, like you'll lend parts to your friend or the guy you never met who just happens to be pitted next to you. Yeah. Um, and uh, and give him the parts that he needs. If you have spares on you, why not? Um, And uh, there's been times where I've lent my direct competitors in the same class, in the same race, Parts so that I could beat him on the track, not in the pit lane. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like an easy thing. Like well, that's so stupid. Why would I do that? But For sure. I want to have him out there and battle with me rather than just, you know, beat him because he had a mechanical failure or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes it like more fair and square.
0: I never had that community in like soccer or hockey or tennis. Nobody's gonna yeah. like tennis racket because exactly you're a punk, right. Yeah. So different.
1: Yeah. So, so different.
0: But I think it's because uh, typically the costs are way higher than, than other sports. And uh, we know these people who are next to us are very dedicated, just like we are. And we've all been in those situations where we need a, a handlebar or clip on or a foot peg. And it's like, Oh, what am I going to do? I'm so stressed out. And yeah. you know, your friend Johnny over here has 12 of them in his, in his uh, spares, um, Box, so it's like, yeah, why not just help them out?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool.
0: And I think it's uh, also a higher level of respect in that uh, the danger is very high um, because we can all get hurt doing these things. So it's like you have a higher level of respect for everybody around you because, yeah, you want to you want to uh, be out there and battle and you know race close, but also do it in a way that you're not going to injure your fellow Uh, competitors
1: yeah for sure I think I think that's one of the things that excites me the most about you know this journey that I'm embarking in it's like you have to be very conscious and you know like really like respect what you're doing and respect the bike um just as much and also look out for yourself it's a lot of like um not, like, mental gymnastics, but, like, you really have to stay focused and, like, engaged mentally, too, because you're, you know, getting on this, this machine that, you know, you're in control of, but it's also, like, you need to relax yourself and, like, go have fun in order for it to really, like, you know, pay off and be, get you that, like, full experience, so it's, it's, um it's really, like, nothing, like you've ever done before. It's it's different than being in a car where you've got airbags, you've got restraints, you've got glass, like you've got, you know, you're just, it's more like natural to like hit a brake pedal, you know, like when you're in a car. But when you're on a bike, it's like you're totally opposite. Your feet are, you know, pretty much static and you're using your hands and you're moving your whole body to like get around a corner. So um, it's, Again, like really nerve-wracking, but really, really exciting.
0: And so uh, was there anything that you struggled with when you were taking the course, learning how to ride?
1: Honestly, I think it was like the mental part of it. Um, I think the first day I did pretty well. Towards like the end of the first day and the beginning of the second day as we're like, you know, getting closer to prepping for the test. It's like, you know how to do this you know you guys are like we've done this before um just focus relax you know go faster go slower like you know all of these things you know how to do it's just like applying it and like being comfortable in that that moment um and i think that's one of the things i'm looking forward to doing now that i have my own bike and i'm in a different like environment and kind of on my own i can go at like a different pace but at the same time, it's, like, a new set of, like, mental things you have to work through to be, like, okay, well, now you're in a neighborhood. You're not in an enclosed parking lot. um, You will have to go faster. You will have to get the hell out of the way if someone, you know, was coming up behind you. yeah, um, But it's it's, like, okay, now I have all the tools in my toolkit. And just, like, going out there and applying it, I think, you know, that was, like, my biggest challenge in the class and probably what I'll have to like overcome. And I think what I'm still working through, just like, okay, go get on the bike, like pull it out of the garage, go get on the bike. It's a nice day. Have fun. You want to do this. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it is, is really mental.
0: That's fair. Um, yeah. It's uh, after a while, it'll just become muscle memory and you'll do it automatically without even thinking you're like, yeah, it shifts up next gear. You just do it. And it'll take that uh, a quarter of a second, if not less. And, uh, but when you're first starting, it's like, okay, which one do I, I roll off the throttle, I pull on the clutch, I make the shift It take you like three or four seconds, but after yeah. a while, get faster and faster and it'll, it'll be nothing. You know, yeah. um, my first car was a motorcycle. I bought a motorcycle before I bought a car. Um, wow. so I've been riding, I think before I was driving a, a car. So for me, it's like just second nature. Yeah, uh, but for a lot of people, like you started a lot later than i did so um i wouldn't say it's harder to learn anybody can learn to ride a motorcycle it's not rocket science. yeah efficiently and and quickly and and like you said the mental aspect of it is so huge i think Mm -hmm. what is why i started riding is because it's like a meditation even if you're not at the racetrack even if you're just cruising on your own in the streets in your suburbs on the highway you can't think about anything else that's that's important because you have you have, uh, just this fluid flow of information, uh, coming at your face. And like you said, you don't have airbags. You don't have, uh, these, this cage around you in a car. So yeah, yeah, you do have your gear on. I always wear gear, uh, but you can still get hurt. Um, and so I wanted to say, talk about crashing. Uh, I'm sure that's a fear of yours, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I think, um, I did pretty well in my class. I don't think I had any, like, really close calls. Um, I think during my test, um, one of the, like, last few exercises where we had to, like, speed up, go through the cones, and, like, make an emergency stop, um, I think, looking back, I was probably, like, in my head, and I think I was applying way too much throttle, like, toward the end, and I kind of, like, I didn't lose control but I was definitely going faster than I should have, you know, approaching a stop.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, you know, got it together, passed everything. Um, but I think that was like that little bit was like, "Oh wow, like this is very real, it can happen very quickly. Could have had a different outcome. Um, sure. you know, and I think I think too now that I'm, you know, on my own, I'm not like really riding with anyone. I don't have like a coach standing next to me, like, you know, do this, do this. You know, I'm thinking back to, you know, my my training that I got from you guys and you know from videos and stuff, techniques that I've um, learned. You know, it still is like, all right, fully responsible. This is this is your thing. Like, you know, anything can pretty much go wrong. Um, but I think that also adds to the excitement of it because it's like you can really make or break, um you know, what you're doing. But crashing is definitely a fear. And then, you know, outside of what you're in control of, being on the road, you've got, you know, cars, you've got, you know, stuff in the street, you've got animals. Like there's just so many variables that come into play.
0: Yeah, for, for me, it was always it's. For most motorcycle riders it's not about them, I mean sometimes they're a bad rider, but most of the yeah. time it's everybody else that you got to worry about. I mean uh I say almost, but I almost got hit by like 55 cars if plus, you know, you can't you lose track after a certain period of time because it's like yeah, everybody's trying to hit you. It's like what in the hell is going on? I had yeah. bus almost hit me. Like what is this right. bus doing?
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: craziness, but um but yeah, it's it's tough you got to be um aware and alert all the time you can't just be snoozing and relaxed it's uh that's one of the reasons why i like gravitating people to sport bikes is because on a harley you're like you're relaxed you're like sitting back You're yeah. out for a cruise you're not alert and attentive if you're like on the balls of your feet and like looking forward and like crouch a little bit forward like you're much more in a athletic stance i feel like
1: yeah yeah, no, and that that totally makes sense. And like when I went to buy my bike, um, they actually had a Honda Rebel, um, uh, five hundred, like exactly what I was gonna get. And I sat on it, and it's like you know, like I'm sitting right now, pretty much just like on a chair, you know, like cruiser style. Which definitely there's a time and place for that, but um, I definitely can see what you're saying—the benefit of being a little bit more um athletic and in a way I found it like a little bit more ergonomically friendly being on a sport bike. Um, especially my Ninja, like the tank where it just is not like super aggressive, like some of the other ones, mm-hmm. um, and it's class, but still good enough where you're, you know, positioned forward. Um, and you know, your body kind of just is forced to mold with the bike. Um, so I think that will, you know, definitely help me. Cause yeah, like you're saying, it's, You're just kind of chilling back there on a harley or something um but yeah i think i think it's definitely you know good that i went with the ninja for sure because of that
0: yeah and now one problem i guess or one uh challenge that you have to overcome with a sport bike is now you are putting your weight more forward um in that in that uh forward more forward position rather than lazy laying back um so that tends to have people put too much weight on the handlebars.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Think about it in a car. If you're sitting in a car, do you put most of your weight on the steering wheel? Right. You don't, right? Most of your weight is not, you don't want to have a death grip on that steering wheel. You want to yeah. be able to move it nice and easily without too much resistance. Yeah, without- no,
1: that's a good point.
0: So you really have to focus on uh, gripping and and pinching your legs into the tank way more often. So really you want to have very little weight on your hands at all times. Um, and even when you're braking, you, you want to not, you know, tend to push forward with all your weight, keep that right. weight in the tank and keep your hands loose and light um, because you don't want to have too much pressure on those handlebars. It'll create really bad riding habits and actually make it harder to turn. Um, yeah. So just keep that in mind. There's, there's benefits and downsides of, of everything. So yeah, uh, for sure. It's just a riding style thing that you have to get to grips with. Yeah, I
1: think so. And I think the more time I spend learning that bike, because, you know, after, you know, even two days of being on that Rebel 250 during my class, like, you know, that bike more and you like figure it out, you figure out all the nooks and crannies and and stuff <laughs> Um <laughs> So, you know, you get used to it and, you know, how everything feels. And so it's like, you know, recalibrating yourself to the new feeling of a different bike and and stuff like that. And, you know, me being a new rider, not building those bad habits, like you say. So,
0: yeah. And uh, yeah, it'll take a little bit to get used to every bike or every car. Every vehicle has its own unique characteristics, benefits and and negatives. Uh, You just got to get to grips with it you know the the best most skilled people can adapt within uh a lap or two or like a couple miles but uh, yeah sometimes it feels like it takes you uh, uh a year before you get comfortable on something if you're just yeah. a, so just take it easy don't uh try to adapt too quickly you know, yeah. you know it's uh so talking about crashing again like i've crashed probably 20 plus times i think i've lost count by now but yeah most of the crashes like ninety nine percent of my crashes have been like not a big deal, like yeah. full gear every time, so there's no never any skin abrasions, no cuts or scrapes. There's only one time it was a bad day, and that was because I hit a stationary object uh, um, hundred plus miles an hour so geez. so you just want to try to avoid stopping really quickly is the main thing,
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: <laughs> it's not speed that's the problem it's just stopping really fast stopping
1: and, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um yeah no talking about gear um that was like you know before i even i think bought my bike i was buying gear because i was like 100 gonna want all the good stuff like shoey helmet like people say like do not cheap out on gear and even though you know i haven't been in a crash knock on wood you know i'll stay away from one for a long time hopefully forever whatever um but like roll that into the expense of buying a bike like yeah. i think that it's super important because it really can save your life and especially like your skin so
0: of course yeah um dress for the crash not the weather or the yeah um there's a lot of sayings about <laughs> yeah, that yeah
1: i know what you mean
0: yeah but um yeah, I would. I usually wear more gear on my bicycle than most people use on their motorcycle, which kind of irritates me. A <laughs> guy who knows nothing about riding who's not wearing no gear. I'm like, sure, it's America. Do whatever you want. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, if you want to stay in the sport for a long time, and and ride at a high level, um, you know, lead by example. Don't don't be out there riding with t-shirt and shorts and flip flops, which I did before I knew anything, and <laughs> then, uh, I saw all my. I started riding with, with a group, and they were all wearing, like, suits. I'm like, you were really wearing a leather suit to bike night? It's like, yeah, the ground hurts just the same as if you're on a racetrack or if you're on the road. So yeah. I was like, oh, I guess uh I thought people would make fun of me if I wore a leather suit around. And they yeah. might. who gives a crap, you know? Like, if they're a real rider, they know.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, people always say ride your own ride, you know, and, like, that applies, I think, to riding, to gear, to speed, you know, everything. Um, so yeah, I'm not afraid to look like a noob and my all my gear and stuff, but you know, I want to be safe.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's a noob, I think it's uh smart. I really think that's the way to go. Yeah. Um, some people might call it noob, but like I'm one of the most experienced riders around and I'm wearing all the gear possible because I know what can happen if it goes wrong. Yeah, exactly uh if i'm on the street i always do boots at least jeans like long pants uh jacket helmet gloves Uh, yeah i think that's reasonable now i would like to be wearing something thicker on my bottom half Uh, i think jeans really aren't enough especially when i have a hole in my knee right now That's not gonna do anything you know they're gonna rip right in half so jeans really aren't enough they do make uh they make, like, motorcycle riding jeans that are double-stitched and, and multiple panels of of uh, denim or sometimes even padding underneath. Those I yeah. would recommend. A lot of different brands make those. But uh, you just want to keep your skin intact. That's, like, number one. I don't want to have a skin graft.
1: Yeah, me neither. I have most of my arms covered in tattoos, and I want to keep them there. Those are so, expensive, um, right? Yeah, super. Super. Super expensive, so um, you know, definitely am going to be in gear all the time,
0: sure. And is there anywhere that you want to ride to? Is there any specific place that you're looking to go to on the bike? Um, like road trips or anything?
1: Not that I can think of. Um, I'm glad that I got a Ninja 400 instead of a Z400, uh, and not you know, you know, being on a bike with like full fairings. Um, so I think I definitely will be inclined to go a little bit further. Um, but I'm sure that I will, you know, come across places either driving a car, um, and you know, say, hey, like I really want to take my bike here. Um, so I'm sure I'll come across that at some point.
0: Yeah. I found that uh the tale of the dragon in Tennessee, that was a pretty cool place to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people on forums and stuff. Um, I guess that would probably be one. Um I've seen a lot of people have really good time. Um,
0: I mean, that's a super dangerous place to ride. Uh, it's not really for first timers. I would. Yeah, think.
1: I've seen. Um, I think as many videos of people like executing it really well, um, also crashing. um oh, just yeah. the same amount. So,
0: yeah, we took a group of guys down there a um, long time ago. We about twenty people. We rented a cabin, stayed there for almost a week or so. And uh, we had probably four or five guys crash when we were down there out of yeah. a 20, 20 some people, so yeah, it's uh, it's hectic, and people are trying to go fast and starting to take chances, and they don't, they're not really knowing what they're doing out there, so yeah, you're gonna fall down eventually, you're yeah, like that, trying to keep up with yeah. your buddies who are racetrack riders, and you're not, yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, um. Yeah, certain places will just not be as forgiving. And uh, you know, all the twists and stuff that you know I've seen on Tale of the Dragon, you know, it's just gotta be super careful.
0: Yeah. Now uh you know it's like if you if you crash at the racetrack, you generally end up in a field and you're just pissed off. Or you crash at uh on a side of a mountain, you either hit the mountain on one side or you go off the side the other side of the mountain down a okay. ravine. It's like and both those things happen. One yeah. guy hit Mountain and the other guy fell down the cliff and that it wasn't really that, but much of a cliff. But uh, it was probably like a forty percent like grade down, um, and we had to get a winch from a truck to pull him out. Jeez,
1: (laughs) that's that's crazy.
0: I my ego would be
1: so bruised after that. It was wild.
0: It was uh, I saw both of them. I one of the guy who who hit the side of the mountain was right in front, uh, right behind me. And uh, I even told him before, I'm like, if I pull away from you every 10, 20 seconds, I'm going to look behind and wait for you. Don't try to catch me, you know? Yeah. Sure enough, he was like, I can can follow him. And it did not work. And the other guy, he was right in front of me, and uh, he just low-sided. He tucked the front. And, uh, man, I thought I was going to run over his hand. It was that close in front of me. He must have been one one to two feet in front of me. And he just washed out the front and just. You just disappeared from my site. Just down the oh side. Oh my gosh. Like, where'd it go? What are you doing? Yeah. That's crazy. So not ideal, I'd say, but uh maybe it happened like,
1: I'm see, sure you know both of them learned a whole lot from you know that experience. I think anytime you have something, you know, bad happen, it's a good opportunity to learn something. So yeah. Um, you know, definitely an expensive and you know more dangerous way to learn, but you know nonetheless you you get something out of it hopefully
0: at least uh you get some motorcycle maintenance and uh (laughs) rebuilding (laughs) yeah yeah not the end of the world um are you good with uh, mechanical work
1: um i'm not not the best but not the worst um i did get you know basic like toolkit um you know set that i would need if i you know pull off my fairing, stuff like that. Um, I will probably take my bike in for at least my like initial maintenance and then um, try and do stuff myself after that, um, you know, just for not even like monetary reasons, but just so I'm like more engaged with the process with the bike, um, you know, build my confidence on being able to, you know, fix stuff myself if I need to.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I agree that uh, you should learn at least some of the maintenance. Now, yeah. um, through Throughout the riding that I've done, I've gotten to the point where I can take a motorcycle all the way apart to the frame and rebuild it back to uh, to stock or, you know, with the upgrades that you want on it. Now, I'm not going to say I do it quickly. I am not a certified mechanic, um, yeah. I'm a YouTube certified mechanic. You can learn a lot from just searching things online. How do I do this? Yeah, 100%. Uh, Right now my the bike that I rode at, at the MSF course um is actually needs some work and I've been working on it lately I just did an oil change to it I uh, replaced the tail light that was screwed up that uh one side had melted off uh because it was the right hand rear turn signal was right in front of the exhaust so it melted off and uh Sounds it like shorted,
1: a really bad design
0: terrible it shorted out. Uh, in the rain one day coming back from a workout class and so uh, I didn't really touch it because it was coming to be winter time and I just started working on it in Vegas here uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, so now it will it will run sometimes but it will die in idle so I've turned the the idle screw all the way up to max and I, I can ride it it rides fine I can go through all the gears but if it goes too low in the idle it'll just die on me so i'm thinking maybe have to adjust the the uh, throttle cable at the uh at the throttle area to make it a little tighter sure Uh, and then also maybe check spark plugs try to replace those because if it was electrical uh i'm thinking maybe that would have been affected um i'm not sure about that like i said i'm not a master mechanic so might be sounding (laughs) stupid here but This is just what's going through my head. And then next thing would be the air filter. Um, Maybe not in that exact order, but um, do do the cheapest things first and then see if it works. And uh, make sure you always have oil in your vehicle, because if you don't, it's going to be a bad day.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, When I was picking up my bike, you know, we did the walk around and they were, you know, basically showing me, you know, just preventative stuff that I should look at every time. And that was definitely... At the top of the list so
0: yeah if you don't have oil the engine will seize pretty quickly Um yeah. my truck died and blew up not not in a uh visual dramatic way. way yeah yeah, it wasn't dramatic but it just stopped working basically uh my timing belt went and i was like you know what i, I don't know if i really need a new one and then very quickly right after my engine went uh became an interference engine and this was like a couple months ago i was I was like, you know what? Do I really need to spend all the money on doing this? And then I was like, oh, well, there's the whole truck.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I feel like such an idiot, but um, sometimes that's how it goes. And, yeah, like, hindsight is twenty twenty. I was a little bit uh, more free with that checkbook on the repair. Maybe I'd still have my truck. Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm in a like a Toyota Corolla, four door sedan. It's first sedan. I've had in a long time. I wasn't done driving that, that truck. I only had like 160,000 miles on it.
1: That's honestly not bad. But, yeah, that's, uh, I know that one had to hurt.
0: Yeah, could have had 100,000 more on it, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And now I can't just throw my bike in the back of my car.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, track days are probably uh out of the question for a little bit until you get a new one.
0: Yep, or at least a hitch. I mean, I've towed with a sedan before. That's how I went to the track in the first place i didn't have a truck i just had a it's like a pontiac sunfire two-door sedan and uh i mean it didn't like it, it didn't like towing a trailer but it could do it motorcycles yeah. that heavy Couple yeah. Hundred but yeah That's it's funny. it's doable yeah i just need to get a hitch on this one 100 so uh so you're looking forward to riding this year um any other things you wanted to talk about? Um, not that I can think of. I will, you know, definitely
1: be in touch. Keep you uh updated on my progress and, um, my, my writing experience. So just, uh, excited to get out there.
0: Awesome. Very good. I always like to have new people getting into the sport, you know, keep, keep that, uh, wheels, the wheels turning. Keep yeah. people coming in. I like it for sure. Um, and so, uh, let's see. Just looking through some things here. So, do you follow any uh, racing series? Um, so I follow
1: Formula One. Um, okay. I am eventually going to get into MotoGP. Um, uh, sorry about that. It like cut out.
0: Yeah, I, I think it did at my side too. Um, no worries though. So sorry about that. All um, oh, good. So you're saying you're you're getting into Formula One, maybe MotoGP.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I followed Formula One for the past, I don't know, maybe like three or four seasons. Um, I'm a huge McLaren fan. We aren't doing that well this season, but, you know, I'm hoping for a comeback at some point. Oh, But they Um, have cool colors. They do. I love the papaya orange. So, um, yeah, but they're they're the team that I root for um but definitely want to get into watching MotoGP following that a little bit more closely um i'm sure once i you know kind of get more into riding myself it'll be easier um but but yeah um uh, mostly formula 1 for right now
0: um so you're a big McLaren fan are you watching uh Drive to Survive it's captivating i
1: it's am series i am i am um i haven't finished um, season 5 yet um it's kind of it's kind of funny to watch like the current season and then you know go back and watch Drive to Survive since it's like you know from last season and everything and like rehashing all the stuff that um happened but um i think i'm i'm like 50/50 i'm glad that that series exists because i think it is like way easier for people to like sit and watch Netflix and like kind of get introduced to the sport um but at the same time it's like it's like your you know a reality tv show of like your favorite thing and it like kind of spoils it a little bit but um yeah
0: yeah i think it's a good thing um i find it kind of funny when people say oh did you watch the the race the last race that happened and they're talking about the tv show i'm like no Which i'm all... actual race yeah i haven't watched the full series yet i've watched a few episodes of it but I think a great yeah. thing to get more people introduced. It sounds like um, the attendance is higher than ever at a lot of these events, so that's really good to see. You know, they're getting sold out four hundred thousand plus crowds over a weekend is is really great to see. It's like it's yeah. the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's pretty insane. Like, I don't think a lot of people realize like how big those races are. Um, but yeah, no, Formula One is awesome.
0: I think it's because it's well, it's an international crowd. You got the whole world uh watching it, not just football fans.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. So you get a lot bigger following and it's uh relatively small over here still compared to European countries and Asian even, um, like even Middle East, like I, I feel like stick and ball sports still vastly dominate the yeah. landscape here. I go to the. I know it's like March Madness and all. Well, it's not March anymore. Um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like football or football and basketball um, are always on TV. And I'm like, ah, you know, I can watch, yeah. but that's not my forte. Like, where's the racing? Anybody got a racing show on? I know the hockey. I was at the bar yesterday watching the hockey game, and this lady turns it to the, the, the basketball. I'm like, I was watching that there's already four TVs that have this basketball game on right next to each other. Why can't you have the yeah. game on? Right. I was like, ah, oh, that's frustrating.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like kind of, um, it's kind of good in a way that it's a little bit more low key and like exclusive. Cause there's something really exciting about like staying up till like 1am, you know, for like, you know, watching the Australian GP and like, you know, it kind of, It brings a new level of excitement versus like, you know, everyone in the country is like sitting down watching this, you know, Super Bowl or whatever. Um, But but yeah, no, I definitely hear you.
0: It's kind of like you found something that's that's a gem, but not everybody knows about it. Yeah, I just like want
1: to keep it like safe (laughs) and secret and like,
0: but most people who have introduced it to uh, motorsports and racing are like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, this is great. Like, I can't say anything bad about it. Most people think when they start, it's like you're just going around in circles. Well, yeah, kinda. But (laughs) that's just
1: there's some twists in there.
0: That's just like boiling it down to well, you're just putting a ball in a hoop. Well, right. That's the same kind of. That's even similar. Exactly. Yeah. So you watch Formula One? Do you watch Formula Two or Formula Three?
1: Um, no, I haven't. Um, I probably should because you know there's definitely some people that are gonna just pop up in the next couple of years from, from those leagues. Um, but you know, it's always good to see people, you know, veterans of the sport, you know, Hamilton, Alonzo still out there really killing it. So, um, but it's also, you know, just as exciting to watch the newer guys. Um, so
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been trying to watch the F2 and F3 races. Um, it's uh, they, like you said, you're going to find these young kids and you can follow them up through the ranks and uh, you yeah. can see them progress. And maybe they had a bad season next year. They won the championship. It's like, oh, wow, this guy's going somewhere. He finally found it. Yeah, uh, it's very similar with the MotoGP, Moto2 and Moto3 classes. Yeah, I so see these children, these kids, these teenagers um, move up from the ranks. And it's it's funny. You can see sometimes these people are like, oh, wow. This kid's going to go places. And then a couple of years later, he wins a world championship in motor GP. It's like, I told you, I saw that kid yeah. years ago. Yeah. He had something. Um, it's like, it's it's just great to see. So the, the lower classes for Formula 2 and Formula 3, especially Formula 3, are the, the youngest kids. So they're the least experienced. Uh, yeah. So I was watching it at the Australia round and it was like a, a red flag bonanza. Um every cup it was like every 3 laps there was a red flag was like, yeah. or, or, or not a red but a safety car. Uh, yeah. safety cars. So um yeah it's just like man these kids can't keep it together. They just going off the track hitting each other like what are you doing?
1: Yeah. Like <laughs> well, you no, say that
0: from the couch and it's like you get in the car and try that.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was just gonna say um it's it's so crazy like how big the sport is but you know it's literally like the pipeline like people start from when they're like literally five or even younger younger, than that even younger like in go-karts and then you know like all the way up and then it just ends up to a, a group of like 20 people you know globally that are in formula one racing every week it's just um and like you know the financial part of it too it's it's I think it goes to show like how, um, and I mean, I know MotoGP is not, you know, any less expensive, right. But just the barrier of entry again, like how much it takes to get to a really professional level. So, um, yeah, it's, it's super exciting to watch, um, you know, every week, but, you know, it's, it's literally like people's dreams to do that. And it's just crazy to, see someone like dedicate their life to that
0: absolutely it's ins- inspirational to me because that's kind of where i yeah. went um you know I'm, I'm not delusional i'll probably never make it to moto gp you know starting at my age but yeah. i'll compete at a high level um in the national series maybe international if i'm lucky uh, yeah uh, you know talking about financials doing track days so Riding in the street, a couple thousand dollars. You can find a, a motorcycle today on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace for fifteen hundred dollars, two thousand dollars. Sure. Get a helmet, a jacket, boots, gloves, another maybe five hundred bucks. Um, so relatively low to get into the sport. You can get a scooter for like two grand, something like that. Yeah, brand new. Depends on which one you get. Those Honda Groms are street legal or the D one twenty five, so like maybe three thousand dollars brand new. Yeah, I think so. So uh very accessible, way cheaper than a car. um For sure. And most of the time, you don't need a 4,000 pound car to drive you around. You need like a 400 pound machine to, to propel you, right? Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. It'd be
0: harder to use that all year round in Michigan. Uh, yeah. Hold half the year. But uh, that's why I moved. One of the reasons why I moved down here is so I can be uh riding or being at the racetrack almost every day of the year. Um, yeah. And now doing a track day for your first novice session might be a couple hundred dollars, uh, maybe some fuel to get there. I always camped and put a tent up at the racetrack. So I didn't ever yeah. need tell unless it's, it was snowing, which happened a couple of times. Um, and then just some food, which you would normally eat anyways. Um, right. Exactly. You don't need a crew. You don't need people there. You don't need tire warmers or, or stands. Just show up and ride a couple hundred bucks no. uh, to get into racing. I, I would say at least $1,500 to $2,000 per weekend, which would cover mm-hmm. tires and now a small amount of crashing bill here and there and uh, you know travel and, and more fuel um, and your entries, your race entry fees, things like that. Um, and that's at the, the amateur level to do a professional race. You're talking anywhere from five to $15,000 per weekend just to enter and show up um based on you know crew costs you have to pay for crew credentials you have to usually pay your crew to show up and do stuff right yeah and you're using instead of maybe two rears and a front tire for the amateur event you're using like maybe four or five sets of tires depending on what class you're in um and 400 bucks a set adds up pretty quick yeah Uh, so pretty expensive to go racing uh professionally uh, even in the U.S., without traveling across the pond, you're talking. Yeah. I mean, anywhere from fifty to one hundred fifty thousand or more to to race at a competitive level, trying to fight for a championship in the U.S. Now, if you're looking to do like international, uh, you're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, or even millions, to compete uh, globally, like. Um, Formula One, for example, is the pinnacle of the sport where all the technology yeah. develops. So that's hundreds of millions of dollars.
1: Yeah, so exactly. Huge.
0: Like Formula One is is by far the most expensive thing to get into. But even like an Indy car, you're talking probably ten million dollars. I know I recently who's uh, who's driven for Indy lights. He's one of my co-workers, which is like the road to Indy, the, the next step up um, or in uh Indy Lights is the one below IndyCar, so Got it. even for Indy Lights, you're talking like 1.5 million dollars for a season.
1: That's and, so crazy.
0: And so I don't come from a rich family, unfortunately. Like, <laughs> uh, so I've I've done everything in racing that I've gotten so far from sponsorship and my own seven jobs or whatever, you know. T- <laughs> yeah. So it's like, how hungry are you? How much do you do you value this sport? How far do you want to go? Um, actually, just today I had a, I had a call with uh, like a sponsorship coach, um, and so we were talking for a little while, and we have another call on Thursday, and maybe one tomorrow if I can fit it in, but uh, I'm like reinvigorized, invigorated, yeah. With- because I've been out of racing for a little while. I've been racing other things other than um, modified sport bikes. I'm um, trying to save money. I did a season, a couple of seasons of mountain bike racing, a couple of seasons of go yeah. racing, kind of got into coaching so I can be back at the racetrack. Um, yeah. And now I've coached with five different organizations. And it's like, coaching is great, but I really want to be racing full time. For how sure. Do, how do I do this? Get there under one hundred fifty thousand dollars season, you know. Maybe plus if I wanted to do it seriously, not work a full time job. You know, that's yeah. not say minimum thirty thousand would be scraping by, right? So yeah, so one eighty would be the ideal, you know, high end of it. Maybe maybe even more if I wanted to live luxuriously uh, <laughs> over over three, you know, thirty grand, but. So yeah, anywhere from 50 to 180 is really my goal for a season. Like, well, how do yeah. you convince a company that their marketing budget is going to be best spent on me and my you. team? Right. You know, so that's that's the struggle. It's like, there's money out there. Obviously, Formula One, yeah. they mean they have millions and hundreds of millions of eyeballs on them, which is why of they course. can demand that money. But like, um, so there's money out there. So how do I convince a company to to invest in me and to put their marketing dollars in me. Because that's what it comes down to. It's marketing for them. Yeah. So that's what we'd be going over in these calls, just trying to uh dwindle it or windle it down to like it's a business transaction. It's not that's yeah. it's not charity, it's not a donation. It's like I'm providing a real value to you. I have this podcast right. with uh like a hundred thousand uh, viewers on it. Uh, that's not nothing. You yeah, know, yeah, for sure. The social media, some like thirty thousand followers. So it all it all adds up at a certain point. You know, if you had twenty million followers, you'd be able to get whatever sponsorship money you wanted. Yeah. So it's like, what yeah. is engagement? What what do people are they listening to you by hour two of this podcast? You know, are <laughs> they still listening exactly. out. So just trying to go down that rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh it's definitely super exciting too. Um, you know, I hope that all of it like, you know, obviously works out for you because I think everyone who has a passion about anything, like they want to do that hundred percent of the time. So yeah, that's uh it's a lot of work to get there, but it's definitely worth it.
0: Yeah. It's like uh yeah, I'm I'm just uh so passionate, I guess you could say uh obsessed. Um, yeah. Good way. It's like put your put your obsessions or your addictions into positive things, right? 100%. Keep wanting to do it. Like uh, I have all these different avenues of Eric Swan Racing LLC now. Whether it's the coaching, the sales, the podcast, the racing, um, marketing, writing uh, mm-hmm. for different companies, coaching. So it's like uh, I'm just trying to do as many things in this avenue of racing and motorsports as I can. For
1: so
0: sure. Or let's play on the simulator. Uh, let's watch a race on on TV. Um, oh, I wanted to 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 mention that you can watch if you already subscribed to Formula One, you have access to Formula Two and Formula Three. Sweet. Okay. Did not know just, that. You could already just click on them tonight when you're going watching when you're eating dinner. You can watch a Formula Two race or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just they also have the sprint races. And the uh, the qualifying sessions, the practice sessions. I don't think they have every all the every single session, but they yeah, have them. so it's it's pretty good coverage. They have commentators on it and everything. So it's, yeah, it's, it's cool to watch. Definitely gonna check it out. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So do you do you have friends or family who ride a motorcycle now? Like, how did you get into it? What made you uh, pull the trigger?
1: Yeah. So um, my uncle, he he rode for most of his life. Um, he, uh, with his job, he rode motorcycles, um, and he just stopped riding, um, like last year or two years ago, um, more so just for like health reasons and stuff. Um, but he was like really the only one in my family that, that rode, you know, everyone, and my family is like, no, don't get a motorcycle. It's too dangerous. You know, that, that whole spiel that I'm pretty sure literally everyone with anyone that they care about in their life, they're going to tell them to not get one. Um, so I'm kind of the, the oddball out the next generation in my family, I guess, to to get a bike. Um, don't have any friends really who ride, um, a couple of coworkers, but, but that's it. And they ride Harley. So, um, it's pretty much just me literally barking on this like solo adventure, um, which again, makes it more exciting. Um, and I think I'm even more passionate about it because it's literally me doing something hundred percent of my own, um, for the first time, just figuring it out. Um, so yeah, I think, I think part of it comes from me being a, a car enthusiast. Um, Again, talking about the barrier of entry, it's way easier for me to go get a brand new Ninja 400 off a dealership than, you know, to go buy a $70,000, $80,000 Camaro. um, You know, one I can do and, you know, at my current state in my life versus one I'm going to have to save, you know, three to five years for. Um, So that's kind of like what it came down to. I was like, you know, I really want to like capitalize on my younger years i guess and you know do something fun and exciting for me um without it really breaking the bank um and you know being on a bike you're just again like we talked about you're way more connected way more into it so um it was just kind of like let me just do something i've never done before something i know i'm going to like cuz i like cars i like going fast i like racing and motorsports so just pulled the trigger.
0: Sure. And so it sounds like you're going through it the right way. You know, I had the same, you're never getting a motorcycle speech. Uh, you're going to kill yourself. As yeah. You know, um, I took the approach of, well, I'm going to show you that I can do it the right way. I'm going to take the course. I'm going to take the mm-hmm. basic rider course. I'll do the advanced one. And uh, I'll wear all the gear. Well, I didn't start doing that, but like I eventually was like, I'll prove you're you. It done. A safe way. Um, not be a squid, you know. And so it sounds like you're going through the same kind of path uh doing the safety stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I I thought about it for a couple years before I even signed up for the class. Um, it probably took me a year of mental gymnastics and thinking about it before I even, you know, registered. And then um, you know, it's been since August, um, from when I finished the class to pretty much when I got my bike at the end of February. So um, it's definitely, you know, something I was like, all right, I need to just go and do this because I can think about it for another year and let time go by. Um, but I think I was also like really intentional about it too, because I think I have a respect for, you know, all the good, the bad and the ugly that comes with, you know, being on a bike and stuff.
0: That's fair. And so you, you talked about, uh, your uncle getting out of it for health reasons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I did want to say that, did you know, Um, pretty sure this is a fact, I didn't make this up, that uh, riding a motorcycle is technically good for your health because uh, the high vibrations will uh, increase your bone density? I did not
1: know that fact. <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. I, I mean, mean, they have
0: those things at the gym, right, that vibrate you like crazy, you hold on, yeah. and they go, that's like the same thing.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I was talking to someone um, on the sales floor where I got my bike at the the dealership, and she had taken the MSF course, the basic rider course, um, and we were just talking about, like, even after a couple days, like, how your body, like, you know, you're using muscles you've never used before, you know, you're, like, you're squeezing the tank, and you're, you know, leaning over, and you're, like um using your foot in a way that you've never used it you know like all of the the tiny like physical movements that like go into you know being able to like smoothly ride a bike and put everything in concert um it's I think a lot more physical than people think even on like a cruiser like a 250 like we're riding in our in our course um you know it takes a lot of like getting used to but a lot of like muscle and you know and grip so it's uh not surprising that (laughs) it can help extend your life in a way
0: yeah people think oh well you're just sitting down on a motorcycle right why would you be tired well (laughs) it's not the same thing you're not really just sitting down the whole time for sure and so uh can you talk about what it's like to be a black woman in the industry there's uh not a ton uh of you out there in who are riding motorcycles
1: yeah for sure i mean in the motorcycle industry, and in the car industry, um, you know, I think just being a minority in, like, any space, you know, you've got to either, like, I think the best thing you can do is just embrace it and um, just, like, honestly, like, be yourself. I think there's, like, you know, the pressure that you feel to, like, you know, be the best because you're different, you um, or, you know, you have to, like, overcompensate, I think that can, like, really cloud your judgment, so for me, I think the best thing I can do is, like, go through the motions, go to the training, um, you know, be patient with myself, be open to, like, learning, um, and not try and, like, just internalize and be like, okay, well, I'm different than a lot of the like rest of the people riding. So I'm just going to like go off and do my own thing. And like, I've got to do X, Y, Z. It's just like, I'm starting out, you know, just as fresh as anyone else would. Um, So in a way, like blending in definitely has its advantage. Um, But I think, you know, it's also important, um, you know, to recognize who you are and, you know, I'm in a really good position um to be able to like have the things I have and like to be starting the sport um and going on this journey and hopefully you know even if it's as simple as like I'm going down the road and there's a a kid in their car seat and they see me and they wave and they're like you know 10 years down the line they're like wow there was someone out on the road who looked like me you know doing this thing um you know in a, in a space that maybe didn't have the same amount of like representation um so you know it's it's definitely pretty cool. Um but you know again I don't think I'm any better or worse off than anyone else starting out.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, I would even say like if as long as you have a tinted visor and you maybe like wear a, a small neck scarf, um no one would even know your yeah. race or your gender. For uh, sure. It's like you're putting on a gladiator suit and you're invisible.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a good point. Um, I I don't think I've put on all of my gear together yet. You know, I've just kind of, like, got my helmet, test-fitted it, got my jacket, test-fitted that, um, you know, shoes, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, that is kind of, like, the nice thing. You can kind of be, like, incognito and just, like, <laughs> get on your bike and just, you know, no yeah. one will
0: know. Yeah. I, yeah. like, I kind of like that about that. I feel like I'm uh, hiding in plain sight.
1: Yeah yeah exactly it's uh it's gonna be hard to hide on a you know bright green bike but you know (laughs) i'll do my best
0: yeah i mean just do you Uh, i love kawasaki brand i've had five of them so far and one triumph so got um, it i'm a big cowie fan i got two in the garage right now
1: yeah do you um do you have plans to fix up your or i guess race your your race bike again anytime yeah the race
0: bike is uh in full working order um when I moved to Vegas a couple months ago, I did have to leave my trailer uh, in Michigan. So I don't have a trailer and I don't have a hitch on the current car uh, that I have, but my goal is to get a a pickup truck in uh, an indefinite amount of time. I don't have a date on that. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I definitely want to. Uh, I've been at the track quite a bit this year already. Um, I did I did seven days of on-track coaching, um, riding a BMW S 1000 RR at, uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway and streets of Willow Springs, um, in Will at Willow Springs. So, um, that time I got to use their bike instead of had to bring my own, which was really nice. Yeah. Um, at the moment, I don't have any set concrete plans to be racing my ZX-6R Kawasaki, um, Man, that bike's 15 years old now. I can't believe it. That's Uh, so crazy. And you don't even need to have a a nice new race bike to go to the racetrack. Um, People race vintage bikes that are 50 years old all the time. Um, You need to be doing a lot more maintenance to them. But you can race them and have a lot of fun on them. So there's no real year uh, that it has to be. But right now, um, I'm kind of focusing on saving money. Saving. I want to buy a, a new vehicle. So maybe I could trade this one in, and then uh, if I can work on the sponsorship money, who knows? Maybe I'll be racing in two or three months. Uh, yeah. If I can find, you know, really would like to have, like I said, at least fifty a year, um, would be a competitive season. I've never had fifty. And I've always been yeah. on a shoestring budget. Um, like just trying to barely make it to the track and sleeping in a tent at the end when everybody's going back to a hotel. I'm like.
1: Well, see you guys tomorrow. I'll be here.
0: Yeah, I kind of, you know what? I kind of like it because, um, you get to ra- wake up at the racetrack, and you don't have to drive anywhere. Um, yeah, save money on gas, save money, save time. Uh, but it, I would maybe like to be in like a camper or like a motorhome way down the line would be nice. Yeah, yeah, something a little, little bit more luxury than a tent. Yeah, less, less rustic sometimes it rains and you get rained on inside your waterproof tent that definitely happens
1: (laughs) yeah that uh (laughs) i'll
0: do whatever it takes
1: yeah exactly yeah i think again you know whatever you're passionate about like being willing to like rough it out for for a little bit to get to the the bigger goal um you know definitely respectable for sure
0: yeah and ideal goal would be uh next year or even maybe late this year if i'm If I do a couple expert races and get back up to speed, um, would be doing Moto America. I really want to do professional racing uh, with the super sport class, uh, which is now the 750cc bikes. Um, I believe that I could qualify and uh, compete at a high level for every racetrack. For Uh, sure. Now, the first couple of years, maybe I'll be top 15 would be the goal. Um, but eventually, yeah, I'd like to win the championship and uh, see as much as I can do and move up from there. I've yeah, done 600s and 1000s, and uh, I'll ride just about any class.
1: Yeah, what is, um, you know, from the point of view of a more experienced rider, um, like the jump from like you know, 600 to like 750 to a thousand, like is it really as dramatic as? it kind of sounds or like what
0: it depends it depends on the machine so I haven't been on a 750 but I can say the 2023 BMW S1000RR is a phenomenal machine it is extremely forgiving Mm -hmm. Uh, it has well it depends what mode you're in Uh, the BMW has many different modes like um, let's see it will have a rain mode a road I think it has a dynamic, and then a race pro one and I think a race pro two mode, and all of them have different, uh, characteristics for your, for your brake pressure. Your uh, it will even link your front and rear brakes in rain mode, um, wow. to a more dynamic stopping power. It will cut your power if you're leaned over really far, and you give it full throttle. It will not give you full throttle in rain mode. Um, the traction control is, is different in different modes. So honestly, the first time I rode it was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was, I was a little nervous I actually getting on this bike for the first time. And then right away, I was like, Oh, this is not so bad. Like, um, I yeah. thought it was, it was, I put it in rainbow just to start out, just the base one, even though it was dry and let's just, you know, slowly work our way up through the modes and, uh, and we also had, it was a very cold. It was like forty five degrees. Um, so low grip temperatures. Um, but no, it was great. And it, I even found in rain mode, I was like full throttle, and it's limiting me on the straightaway. I was like, man, I I can take it out of this mode. I I'm, I'm done with that that one. Let's move on to the next. Yeah. Uh, moved up to I think it was dynamic for a little while, but uh, but yeah, it felt great. It's um now if you have like an R one, uh, a little bit more aggressive. On the core delivery, so yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a high side machine, but it's more way more likely to to spin up the rear tire than um, than the BMWs in my experience. Sure. And so yeah, uh, even the Kawasaki's, uh, the ZX10s, I would say are maybe between the aggressiveness of the Yamaha and the BMW, um, and and since I would never really say this, but since the BMW has such great electronics and limiting your power, it's maybe acceptable for a new rider to get on one of those because it's it's so friendly. It's so user-friendly. Yeah. Um, in this coaching uh, company that I was working with, they said when they moved up to the, to the, I think it was ZX6Rs, the 600cc, the BMW S1000RRs, their crash percentage rate dropped by like 33%. Wow, that's. I was like, are, "Are you kidding me? Like, how how is that possible?" I said, "Do you think that they're respecting the vehicle more, or that it's just a better package for the student?" And he was like, "It's just a better package all around." Um, so maybe it's a little bit of both. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I would always recommend people start on the smallest CC machinery that you possibly can because yeah, I feel like you'll learn you'll learn faster. I there was a guy Al who I always raced against, and he was on a 1000. And I was on a 600 and every race event, I would be two to three seconds faster lap than him because he had a bike that he couldn't use all the power. He couldn't get the, the power to the ground uh, as fast enough. And I was full throttle and he was still trying to manage that throttle, you know? So yeah. when you get into the professional ranks, yeah, it's a little different. They can, they can use that power and they're going to smoke you if you're trying yeah. to pass against them. So uh, it also depends on what track you're at. If you're at a track that has super long straightaways you're gonna get killed by one thousand for sure. But if it's a track like Grattan Raceway or a tight twisty circuit with elevation, you can compete. Yeah. So, but uh, so uh, is there anything else on your mind? Uh, you wanted to talk about today?
1: Not that I can think of.
0: All right, very good. Well, that's about uh, hour fifteen so far. Cool. That's that little blip. Um, I lost. Must have lost something there, but. Yeah. talking to you like i said I'll get yeah to- for sure uh next couple of weeks and uh it'll be on youtube and spotify google podcasts itunes uh all those things
1: all the things all the cool. things
0: <laughs> all right well uh keep it a- in at least one wheel unless you're jumping it
1: i <laughs> got it all right Have a all right life. yeah you too right, bye-bye
0: bye